so the big thing is you know relationships matter and so when you're really good at relationships it helps when you are out on your own because that's one of the things that I think a lot of accountants struggle with is the business development aspect of things. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, the CPA and your host for this podcast. We are a show that's all about accounting careers and the many facets of a career involving accounting. And I say involving accounting because we really do try to showcase all the different things you can do with a background in accounting, as well as what it takes to start and continue to build your career. Well, our guest for this week is Don Maronka. And if you've been a listener with us for a while, then you may recognize that name. This is our first follow-up episode, and Don was our absolute first guest on the show, literally guest number one. This episode's going to be a little different since it's a follow-up show. I invited Don back, hoping to get an update on his business, as well as to go deeper into some of the topics we discussed the first time. And I wasn't disappointed. If you're thinking of starting your own business endeavor of some kind, either part-time or full-time at some point, this is going to be a great episode. Dom works with business owners on systemizing and growing their businesses. And he shares a lot of insight that people just starting a business don't necessarily know or at least have to learn the hard way. This really is a valuable discussion. And I encourage you, if you do find value in this, to go back to episode number one and listen to that as well so you can get the full story on Don's career and what he does for a living. If you do find value in this episode, please check us out online also. You can find us at where accountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career focused materials. If you happen to be an employer or maybe you're starting your own thing and you're going to be employing people, one publication that may interest you is titled Hiring for Accounting, a comprehensive guide to filling accounting positions. It's a 45 page ebook that we have available to you on our website that covers everything you need to know to successfully and efficiently fill accounting positions. You can find it at whereaccountantsgo.com. And once again, it's titled Hiring for Accounting. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Don Maranca. Well, hello, Don. Welcome back. Thanks, Mark. Man, it's been a while since uh, we did the first one. So I'm very honored and privileged to have you invite me back. So thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I feel the same way. This is going to be exciting. For the audience, this is a first for us. To date, we have never had the same guest on the show twice. But I've been thinking about that for a while, and I wanted to get a few updates from a few of our guests based on you know what they were doing when we originally recorded. And frankly, for many of the episodes, there's definitely been a few items that we could have went into deeper or discussed further. So this is going to be our first repeat guest episode. And for the first one, I chose to invite Don Maraca back because Don was actually guest number one, episode number one. (laughs) Hard to believe that was back in 2016. Wow. A long time been a long time. Well, Don, we're going to handle this a little differently than the rest because obviously, you know, we've got the original episode sitting out there and hopefully, you know, we can get into a lot more depth this way. To start, though, I think 
you know, 2016 was a long time ago. I think it would be good for the audience if we could get, you know, sort of a recap or summary of your accounting background. You know, give us a quick snapshot and then we can get into the deeper stuff about developing business and that kind of thing. What was your early accounting career like? Sure. So I started out in public accounting after graduating at UT with an MPA. So I went through their five-year master's program there. And then I ended up at Arthur Anderson in Dallas. And I stayed in public accounting for five years, a combination of Arthur Anderson and also Maxwell Lock and Ritter in Austin after Anderson. And that's where I got more into uh, consulting. So I was in audit in Anderson and an audit and consulting at Maxwell Lock and Renner. And then from there, I left public accounting and I uh, did my stint in public companies and also private companies. So before I decided to take the entrepreneurial leap and start my own business. Public and private. That's right. You were with Dell for a while, right? Yeah, I was at Dell Computers and Applied Materials. So at Dell, I was a senior finance analyst. And then at Applied Materials, I was more into an operational role. So that's kind of where I got my toe in both finance and operations. So when I went into private companies, I wore the hats of CFO, COO roles. Okay. When you decided to take the big leap and become an entrepreneur, I'm trying to remember, did you originally start out with you know, sort of an outsourced CFO service or did you jump right into the business consulting? I don't remember how that went. No, well, actually in between Dell and Applied, I had a stint of a couple years with starting my first business, which is when I was completely, um, I guess, burned out from the corporate world. And I started an event management company, which is completely unrelated to my <laughs> my training. But I wanted to do executive retreats and uh, employee events to really help build leadership and also foster relationships with employees and the whole point of retention and employee development. And I did that for a couple of years before the dot-com burst. (laughs) So that was my first entrepreneurial leap. And then the second one was when I started JDSM in 2009. That's when I bought the franchise called the Alternative Board. And I went straight into the Tab franchise, if you will. So I didn't start as an outsourced CFO. That was one of the things I wanted to do to help complement the Tab business, but really never took off. I did some side projects on that, but not really a big component of my services. Okay. Now, see, we're going to have to have a third episode because (laughs) I I forgot about the event management business. and There's a whole story in here about, you know, if at first you don't succeed, don't give up, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's pretty clear in entrepreneurial lives. (laughs) Wow. I totally forgot about that. Okay. So, how does your business differ or you know, today versus when we originally recorded the first episode? What's happened with you in the last Really a lot <laughs> has happened because in two thousand sixteen that's when actually two thousand fifteen is when I decided to pivot my business a little bit and add a new offering. And so since then, which is EOS, for those that may not know TAB, the alternative board is a franchise and I do peer advisory boards and coaching. So it's like CEO roundtables and one-on-one coaching as well. And it's strictly for the business owner. And when I decided to become an EOS implementer, the entrepreneur operating system implementer, that was back in 2015 is when I went through the formal training, August of 2015. And then you interviewed me in 2016. And so I was just getting into the EOS space. And so my product mix was just starting to evolve at that point in time. So since then, 
you know, TAB has been really steady and having some minimal growth, but really steady and strong. And EOS was the one that's really starting to grow at that point in time when we spoke. And since then, I would say, I mean, when I look at the numbers from 2016 to 2018, my EOS side of the business grew 250%. And from last year to what I expect to have this year, it'll probably about a 66% growth. So it's changed a lot, actually, since we last spoke. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize that that growth was continuing. That's amazing. Yeah. When you consider the mix of the change, because I think that's one of your questions was a mix change. So in 16, when you look at my overall revenues, it was probably 75% tab and 25% EOS. In 2019, by the time we end this year, I'll probably be flipped. So it'll be 25% tab and 75% EOS. It's a pretty drastic change. Yeah. Okay. Now, and it's not that you've decreased the tap part. It's just that EOS has grown so substantially. It's just that side of my business has just really grown. Yeah, actually, there's probably a good discussion in here as well. You know, later on, I wanted to get into, you know, about starting businesses and what new business owners need to know and that kind of thing. But there's a good discussion in here about how you manage switching your product mix and not losing the original. What have you had to do, like in the delegation area, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be able to maintain that? Uh, yeah, I'm practicing what I preach now because that's one of the things that, you know, working with my clients, I have to, you know, work with them on the delegation aspect of things in order for them to grow other size of their business. And that's definitely been a challenge, but it's been great because I've had to really lead some other folks to take parts of my business and uh, take comfort in that they're doing the right things and checking with them. And they're doing it great. And I've actually added some other folks just recently here, which we can probably get into a little bit more okay. um, if we need to. Okay. Yeah, I was curious about that because that's something I've seen with accounting firms is that, you know, you start out because you're a great technician and, you know, you enjoy taking care of customers. But eventually you get to the point where with a lot of accountants, it's hard to let go of doing the work. You know, so that they can continue to grow and, you know, delegate that to other people. And is that something that's always just been easier for you or have you had to <laughs> develop that skill over time? I don't know if it's been easy. I mean, I've done it over my career, but since I started the business, I haven't had to do it as much until since we last spoke in 2016. So because my business has grown so much that I've, I've had to do it. So it's really going back to what I did before and also going back to what I do preach <laughs> to my clients. So it's been challenging, but it's been fun. And I know it's necessary for me to serve more clients in different ways uh, in order for the business to grow. Okay. How many additional, I guess, team members have you added? So since 16, I think I was in the process of transitioning one of my groups to uh, another facilitator. And since then, because I operate three groups, and since then I've transitioned another one to another facilitator, and I've added my wife actually joined the business in August of last year because I was running at my capacity and I need some help really on the business side of things. And then we're finding out that she's actually could be a practitioner as well because of what she's done in her past career and helping grow businesses. She could be a TAP facilitator or an EOS implementer as well. And so we're entertaining those thoughts. And then we've also added another um, a business development person because as I mentioned before, my TAP business has remained strong, but it hasn't really grown much. And I want to re-energize that and uh, the biz dev person is going to focus on that part of my business. Okay. You're making a lot of investments. I am. It's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's nice that people are actually referring 
referring me. I've gotten to the point now where I feel like, you know, people are referring to me and the business is coming to me and it's hard for me to say no. So I want to be able to serve them and I can't do it all myself. Okay. So you work with your wife on a daily basis? I do. Okay. That's I'm at a client four. locations a lot, so there's a lot of space in between where we're not actually in the office together. Okay. That's a whole other episode we could record on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was rough in the beginning with the transition, and so I think we're finally finding our groove here. Yeah. I worked with my wife uh, on a daily basis for, well, at least a year, maybe a little longer, and it's wonderful. You know, it's just, it's a different role that each of you plays, you know, in the office versus home sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely some learning that goes on for sure. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I may have missed another. I hired a virtual admin probably since oh. we last spoke to help me on the EOS side of things because I already had a administrative assistant for the tab side of my business. Then I hired a part-time virtual admin for my EOS side. Okay. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you back on the show is that you know, in the last 130 episodes, I've interviewed a lot of people, and a couple, or actually in a couple of those episodes, the theme came out of individuals wanting to become self-employed in larger numbers earlier than, at least than I realized. We had a couple professors come on the show and discuss a study they had done, and I think it was something like 22%, I should have looked at that before recording this, but somewhere in that range of students that were already, you know, thinking about becoming self-employed, and these are individuals that hadn't even finished, you know, their accounting degree yet, and they already had that as a plan, and yeah, and I don't know, maybe... coming straight out of college, or going into public accounting first, and then... Or doing some kind of accounting-related job, but then moving into entrepreneurship? Well, some kind of accounting-related job, but they already had the plan of, you know, uh, becoming self-employed at some point. Yeah, not immediately necessarily. Although I've had more discussions like that as well, just on a personal basis with students Mm -hmm. that they have an idea, you know, for a business. And I think maybe the entrepreneurial studies in colleges are Uh, promoting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, given your background, being a business coach, I was curious you know, what insight you could give us on that. If I am about to get my accounting degree and I have, you know, an aspiration, whether it's now or later, Mm -hmm. of being my own boss, maybe I'm first couple of years of my career, but I'm I'm definitely early on. You know, what do I need to know about starting a business that isn't necessarily obvious? Yeah, I know. When I first started my first business, the event management business, it was clear to me and probably clear to all accountants, is that we're not natural business developers (laughs) or networkers or salespeople. And so that would be one of my biggest aha moments was that, you know, when I started my first business is, you know, how do I generate business? Business development aspect of things is just not natural to us. Although, you know, I would say we're really good at, I think, relationships because uh, as an accountant, you kind of have to develop relationships either with your clients or with your peers in order to work with them because you're asking for a lot of things from them. And so the big thing is, you know, relationships matter. And so when you're really good at relationships, it helps when you are out on your own because that's one of the things that I think a lot of accountants uh, struggle with is the business development aspect of things. Mm-hmm. And also one of the things is maybe another thing would say is I was fortunate to be an audit when I started my accounting career. And so I got to learn about the whole business because when you're an audit, you have to make sense of how those numbers, 
get under the financial statements. And so you really need to understand the, the operations of that business. And so uh, too many times, you know, maybe accountants are too too focused on the accounting side of things and not really understanding the business side of things. And so when they get into their own business, they're strong on the finance and accounting side of things, but operationally and also sales and marketing, they're not very strong at that. How did you grow in that area? Was it just learning the hard way? Or <laughs> Which area? Uh, business development or the learning the business? Business development, those kinds of skills. Did you just pick them up along the way or did you do anything to develop? You know, so when I first got my start in that first business, it was just learning through hard knocks on that one. And then my second stint, well, actually... Before that, so when I was uh, wearing the hats of CFO, COO in the private companies, I had to manage salespeople, sales and marketing people. And so I had to wear that hat as well and really learn from them, but also coach them along. And I don't think I had any formal classes or anything like that, but I just really took the relationship side of things because I'm a firm believer of more relationship sales and cold calling and hard sales approaches and things like that. So when I was wearing those hats in those private companies, I just kind of learned along the way as well. Okay. I'm curious, would you classify yourself a little bit more on the introverted spectrum or extrovert? You know, when I look at my disc, if people are familiar Uh with that, I'm pretty even across the board in that 50% range on all of four traits. (laughs) So um, it seems like I'm kind of a chameleon. Uh, My wife, Tells me I'm conflicted and doesn't know what I want to be. But in my mind, I'm a little bit more balanced. I don't know if I would call myself an introvert or extrovert. I mean, there's certain times where I love being around people and I socialize all the time. And then there's other times where I just want to crawl into my cave and just be quiet and analyze and kind of reflect on things. Okay. Well, the reason I ask is, you guys have the time we're recording this. This episode hasn't come out, but by the time yours comes out, we will have had another one with a managing partner of a rather large accounting firm. And we get into the discussion of introverts a little bit, which I classify myself more on that side. And he makes a good point that some of the strengths are, you know, you can develop deep relationships and you, you know, you listen well and that kind of thing. And when you talk about business development, I I think we as accountants don't think we're great at sales, Hmm. but, you know, most of us are, you know, good at friendships and (laughs) relationships and and it can be a strength being an introvert a little bit, you know, and a good listener. So, yeah. No, that's completely accurate um, because, like I said, the relationships matter and we do, we're good relationship builders. By the way, if you like to crawl in your cave occasionally, I think that means you're an introvert. That's how you're recharging. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Back to the starting the business. For individuals that would be starting a new business or thinking about that, what are some of the unexpected surprises or pitfalls that they should be aware of that we don't realize are coming? What are some of the mistakes you see early entrepreneurs make? You know, especially accountants or anyone that's really an expert in a specific trade, They know their trade really well. They know their expertise really well, but they don't know the business side of things really well. And so that's where, obviously, they start a business because they're really good at what they do. But then once they start running a business, it's the business aspect of things that they're kind of lost in. They can survive for a few years doing that. Then once they're not, you know, honing their business skills, uh, long term, the the company really suffers if they're all if they're just a, a technician the whole time and they do want to grow and lead a company to newer levels. They have to really understand the business side of things more than their trade. So that's one thing. And also another thing is as they grow 
you know, they need to develop themselves as a leader because if they're expecting their employees to lead when they themselves are not leading, I see that all the time. Uh, and that's how I do work with them and that's how they really come into the tab system is because they know they have gaps in their leadership and they could be doing so much better and leading their organization, but they're not. And so they're so frustrated with their employees, but they're not leading by example. So that's another thing. And I would say those are probably the two big things that I see all the time. Hmm. Are there any books you'd recommend if somebody wanted to sort of self-develop in those areas? Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of books out there, but the ones that we use a lot in either Tab or EOS is, uh, you know, we talk about developing systems. And you probably heard this. I know you've heard this one. It's called The E-Myth by Michael mm-hmm. Gerber. And it starts with the story of a baker that's always making the pies. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, all of a sudden she's growing more and she's still making the pies and then she can't grow anymore because she's the only one that's making the pies. So she starts developing these systems. And it's all about really creating a model, a franchise model, if you will, that even if you're not franchising your business, you're operating your business in a way that it is a franchise that's repeatable and scalable so that you're not the only one doing all the work. So that's one of the great books out there that helps with um, really knowing how to run the business and scale a business. In terms of leadership, there's a lot of business books out there as well. You know, we use a lot of Pat Lencioni books. So the five dysfunctions of a team talks about having a really highly functional team building on the foundation of trust. So I would recommend that. Another one's called How to Be a Great Boss, and that's by um, Gina Wickman and uh, co-author Renee Bohr is the co-author there. That's a great book too, and it boils it down to five key things as a leader, five key things as a manager, and if you do that then accountability will result. So it's a formula for them. Uh, Leadership plus management equals accountability. So those would be the books I would recommend in those areas. You kind of mentioned about some surprises there, so let me touch on that. You know, one of the surprises I hear or see is that, you know, if they're really good in their trade and they've developed the relationships, they have that fear, right, of stepping out onto their own. But once they do, if they have those two things, they're really good at their trade, and they've developed the relationships, how easy it is to get the first new clients. And that's how businesses actually start because they hang their shingle and they have their existing relationships and people know them. And so they want to do business with them. So they get their first new clients pretty easily. But then as they grow, you know, how hard it is to balance working in the business versus on the business and staying profitable because that's one of the main challenges in Obviously, sustaining your business, sustaining profitably, because you can grow too much and you're just working more and more and the profits are not increasing and that's you're just taking on more business without growing your profits. That leads to burnout. Hmm. For accountants, is that usually a pricing issue? It is, and learning to say no hmm. to things that probably doesn't fit in their sweet spot or in their model. And it's not just accountants. It's any business. You know, you want to please everyone in the beginning and take on everything that you think you can do. And so you become a generalist. And then once you really start finding your sweet spot, your core focus, then you start focusing on those. And that's where you really add value to your clients and your companies when you find a niche. Much like you. I mean, you found your niche and you do great in your niche, Mark. And you focus on accountants. (laughs) And you had to transition from a journalist to focusing on that. You know how that goes. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's not about me, Don. It's about you. But But it's very relevant across everyone. Something I've seen in the accounting profession, because we, we tend to be, you know, careful, cautious individuals. We like to, you know, make sure we understand the risk and that kind of thing. If I'm thinking about 
starting my own business of some kind and I'm an accountant. It's nice to know what successful people have in common, you know, and mm-hmm. judge myself against that. Are there any common traits you see among the successful business owners, you know, that you work with? Anything that's sort of a theme? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different, there's so many personalities that I work with. And, you know, one of the things that I think is common across all of them, and they've written books on this, is, and they call it grit, right? Grit and perseverance. It's just their ability to overcome obstacles. I mean, regardless of what comes up in front of them. I mean, I hear all sorts of stories, and that's what I love about working with entrepreneurs is, you know, they could be on the verge of bankruptcy on their last dime or they're just about to give up. But it's that grit, that grit and perseverance, knowing that, you know, they can overcome it. And they do. I just signed up a new client yesterday. She had an amazing story. So she started her business in 2014, and she moved from another part of the the state. And so she started from scratch with no no connections here, started a practice. And then, you know, maybe months into it, she got really discouraged and she just wanted to quit and move back. But then she decided to stick it out. And this is, she started in 2014. Now she's a $4 million business with four locations. Oh my That's just five years from now. Wow. She had that grit and perseverance and she overcame the obstacles. And I hear that story all the time. And that's really what amazes me about entrepreneurs is that I think that would be that one factor that I think all of them have, the successful ones. Because the other ones, you know, they quit or they, um, they just go back to their comfort level. You're not always in your comfort level when you're an entrepreneur. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask you, in my own life, my own career, I've I've had my businesses now for over a decade, but before that, I was employed and a partner somewhere and then back to, you know, being employed by a company and and then, you know, later started the business. And I remember in between there where I was employed that there were some nice things about just being employed by somebody and and (laughs) not having to worry about some of the other issues. It's it's almost like renting a house, you know, something breaks, well, you don't have to fix it, you know, Uh or always, you know, someone else does, or maybe that's why I equated it to, because I think sometimes people think that, you know, the ultimate goal is, you know, be your own boss and it's not all pretty. Yep. Is there any time that you think maybe it's better to just have a job you love versus being self-employed or, or maybe a certain type of personality that's better for or, or situation? I mean, what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah. You know, early on, you always question yourself when you're starting your business, right? And whether or not you're doing the right thing and whether or not, you know, you should just get a job. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, that's when that grit kicks in. When you're down and you feel like, man, why am I doing this? Should I just get a job? If you're truly an entrepreneur and you're wired that way and you want to serve people and you think you can do it better than some other folks and you feel like you do add value to your clients and you have a bigger purpose, you know, it's just that grit kicks in. And that's what makes the entrepreneur really successful. And you realize that, you know, I would be horrible at a job. <laughs> you know, I mean, you and I, Mark, you know, I've been <laughs> over 10 years in our business. Well, it'll be my 10th year this year. We're pretty much unemployable. No one can employ us anymore because <laughs> we don't want to work for anyone else because we have that grit to keep it going and make sure that we do ha- we help others, our employees, in helping really just the marketplace. So I think, you know, once you get that taste of entrepreneurship, what I see is you rarely go back unless you really aren't wired that way. If you don't have that grit, then you're not wired that way. Okay. Grit. 
I love that. I didn't see that coming out as a theme originally, and it's, yeah, that's great. I'm glad we got down to that point. We did get a lot deeper in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. You, you know what I'm talking about, Mark. You have that grit. I mean, you've had those times where you've been up and down, so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had an early business coach in the early days that I was complaining about something, you know, a difficult time, and she's just looking at me, and finally she goes, well, have you been through this before? Yes. <laughs> well, and you got through it? Yes. Okay, well, then you know you're going to get through it, so why are you whining? <laughs> I guess I wasn't as gritty that day, but... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you, and I agree, by the way. I think I'm unemployable at this point, also. Yeah. <laughs> we make horrible employees. <laughs> well, before we get to the final questions, I did want to ask you about the future of JDSM Enterprises. I mean, what are your goals for the next few years? You know, what what does success look like if it goes the way you'd like it to? You know, I mean, it's I'm really blessed where we're at right now, and we can go in all sorts of different directions. The three things I'm really focused on right now is uh, first re-energizing tab as I mentioned before so that's why we hired a business development person and and we're already making gains on that so continue to grow the tab business and then finding a model to scale EOS and that's where because I'm the only certified EOS implementer here in town in San Antonio and I think there's a I know one just recently went through the boot camp training and another one actually a client of mine is going to go through in August and so we're increasing and I believe my wife is interested we're looking at positioning her to be the EOS implementer for professional services and the medical markets because that's what her background is so it's really trying to scale EOS the third component too is and it really dovetails into what I do with tab and EOS is that and it might be going back to my event management days is I want to start creating and hosting and developing leadership conferences because I just love developing leaders. And we have events. We have some small events here and there for TAB and EOS and for uh, business development purposes, some educational events. But I want to make it a larger scale and inviting speakers and uh, really developing the content. So it's one of my passions. And so uh, that's where I see really JDSM going is... You know, re-energizing tabs, scaling the EOS model, and getting into leadership conferences. Hmm. Sounds like a good plan to me. I can tell you really enjoy, (laughs) you know, what you do. And I think the leadership conferences dovetails into that real well, you know, because that's the strength of yours, the the coaching, definitely. Thank you. No, glad you're affirming it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the final three questions I end every podcast with have changed a little bit. Since we started, I'm not even sure I did them on the first podcast, to be perfectly honest. They're an early situation, but we've changed them up a little bit. So I, I want to go through those again, even if I did them with you originally. Okay. The first one's usually the easiest for guests. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Hmm. Probably has changed since then. And I don't even remember what I said back then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I guess since then, it's taken this other leap and becoming an EOS implementer because it has really changed my business model and it has allowed me to work with the leadership teams of the target market that I work with already, the small business owners and small and mid-sized businesses that are locally owned here in San Antonio because with TAB, I was just with, I was working strictly with the owner. And part of my strategy was I knew that even just working with the owner, they were going to have a hard time implementing strategy 
throughout the whole entire organization. And that's where EOS comes in because I work with the leadership team. So I get a layer below the owner and really working with the leadership team and having them help implement strategy across the organization. So I think with that move, and it was an investment, I had to invest some training time and really you know, shifting my company in order for me to do that. But I think that's, you know, since the last time we spoke, that would probably be my proudest moment now because I feel like that has made a major change in my business. Yeah, I mean, your revenue split now is... Obviously, it's been a successful change, you know, from 75-25 to 25-75, and the one didn't shrink, you know, that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Well, second question, and the more details you give us on this, the more we can learn, but tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. Hmm. You know, this is probably more recent. The lesson I learned the hard way (laughs) was, um, so as I mentioned, my wife joined the business. And I had all these plans of onboarding her, right? I had an onboarding plan, timeline, and all this. And usually I'm pretty good about implementing my plans, but this time not so much. So I just kind of threw her into the fire. Even though I had the plan, I didn't follow it. And so I got busy and serving clients, and I just figured, ah, she can figure it out. She's smart, and she is smart. But, you know, it's I speak a different language in this industry from where she came from in medical. And she was, you know, running an, an organization, you know, multi-million dollar business with several employees. And now, you know, we're a small team. So that's a different transition. So I just didn't really onboard her well. And it was a struggle, as you would know, working with your wife, <laughs> not just on the business side of things. It impacted us on the personal side as well. So that would be one of the things that, you know, I learned the hard way is that I needed to, especially when it's your wife, and you really have to invest the time and energy to do that right. Uh, Otherwise, you are going to be kind of redoing things or undoing things, and it affects your relationship. And that's probably why, and I see it with my clients all the time, is they expect their employees to just ramp up really quickly, but they don't have an onboarding process to get them to where they want to to want to get them. And so, unfortunately, a lot of people leave because they weren't onboarded very well. You know, luckily, my wife and I kind of have gone through that process already, and she's not going to leave, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for what it's worth, you are an organized, methodical guy, because I think most people would not have any kind of formal onboarding plan bringing on someone that they know that well, you know, a spouse or a close family member, you know, and to even prepare to that, even though you weren't able to execute it, you know, the way you thought, even to plan to that point, that's pretty remarkable. Really and what's sad is, I mean, I did it with my facilitators. So when they transitioned to taking over some of my groups, I had an onboarding process for them. You know, I had an onboarding process for my executive admins. I just took advantage that she was my wife and figured, ah, she can figure it out. And so that was the wrong approach to it. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that because that's very personal, too. So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) You're welcome. I don't want others to fall into that trap. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? That's a big one. So I would probably have to say, and this has probably come from a lot of people, whether it's my father, seeing him kind of build his business, moving us from the Philippines to here in the U.S., to all the different mentors I've had along the way, to the clients that I work with, hearing them say it. The advice I would say is, you know, always learn. Don't stop learning. And that's when we stop learning is when we stop growing our minds is when we stop developing into 
you know, better people. We start making mistakes and we don't, we're not our best version of ourselves when we stop learning. And the other part of it is also just do your best wherever you are. That's kind of what led me to my career and what I do now. And I feel like I'm really good at what I do and I feel like I serve my clients well. It's because I learned a lot of things along the way and I did my best wherever I was in any part of my career, which opened up a lot of doors. And I feel like you know, God led me to what I'm doing now based on what I did in the past. And so that's be the two things I would say is the best advice I ever got was always learn and do the best wherever you are. Wonderful. Well, that really is perfect to end this on. And Don, thank you for coming back. I talked about you know doing repeat shows and having to repeat guests, and that's very assumptive on my part that someone would actually want to come back and be a guest a second time. So thank you for saying Absolutely. yes. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was very honored, first of all, that you, I was your first guest. And now I'm like, how many episodes have you done now? Uh, over 130. That's awesome. Well, so Thank you. So I appreciate being invited back. Sometimes, you know, you can forget the little people when uh, you get that big. So thanks for not forgetting me. (laughs) I think it's actually the reverse. I'm the little people, but (laughs) you're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Well, wonderful. This has been great. For the audience, this has been Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet come to the website, please do. We have a tremendous amount of accounting career content there for you. Plus, we always list a few related episodes that may interest you as well if you've enjoyed this episode with Don. It's all on our show notes page. Our website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, Don, if someone wanted to find out more about EOS or TAB or your consulting services, your coaching services, what's the best way to find out more about you? Where can they go? You know, the best way is probably our website. So it's jdsmenterprises.com or if that's too hard to remember, tractiontohealthy.com. All words, no spaces, tractiontohealthy.com because what we say is we help develop healthy businesses. Beautiful. Well, thank you again for joining us. And thank you to the audience for joining us for another week. We appreciate you. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.